0: Dragon Ball Z, One Piece, Naruto, all things that we love, all manga that were originally published in the legendary magazine weekly Shonen Jump. But not every series can run for 300 chapters and have a hit anime. This is David. This is Jordan. We're the hosts of Shonen Flop. Each episode, we look at manga that ran and jumped that didn't quite make it. We discuss what it did wrong, what it did right, how the series could have turned itself around, and ultimately, was it a flop or not? Run all your favorite podcast apps, and you can find us at shonenflop.com. Keep on flopping, floppers. And I'm Trevor, and welcome to Catching Up on Cinema. Uh, if you aren't familiar with the program, Catching Up on Cinema is a film analysis podcast wherein myself and Kyle take turns introducing each other to films, and uh, in this way we catch up on our cinema. Uh, so it is the month of October 2020, which means it is time for Kyle's Killer October. Uh, this is a annual tradition on the show wherein uh, I hand over creative control to Kyle, and uh, he subjects me to uh, four horror films of varying natures. Um, Kyle, I-, I think you had a, a theme uh, in mind for this month. Um, what what would that be?
1: Yeah, the theme for this month is unconventional horror. Uh mainly this was an excuse to kind of get Trevor to watch a Lars von Trier film, which I've been trying to do for a while. (laughs) An
0: entire month (laughs) dedicated to getting Trevor to watch a Lars von Trier film.
1: (laughs) But I wanted to, there's a few other movies that I wanted him to see, and I'm like, well, they don't really fall under any specific category of horror, and they're kind of outliers even within their own little genre. Um, And the ones that I picked, I'm like, what, what do they all kind of have in common? It's just they're just kind of unconventional and this one in particular i i want to start off the month because next week uh hopefully we'll get to uh the one i've been looking forward to talking to trevor about for a little while now Um, i started off with under the skin from 2014 Uh, directed by jonathan glazer Uh, the only other movie i've seen that he's done is uh, sexy beast and you have not seen that
0: no i have not but uh, you've referenced it a few times i think you said that ben kingsley was pretty tremendous in it
1: yeah he's he's very he's very uh charismatic in that film um yeah it's uh, it's a it's a it's a it's a strange one uh he's good at making strange little ditties uh strange little movies where i'm not entirely sure what i was supposed to take out of that uh but he has a lot of fun um executing the story um yeah so this is uh, under the skin it's starring scarlett johansson and this is like is this right in the middle of uh like the m c u was pretty like full it was full on at this point, but we hadn't quite gotten to Thanos just yet like we hadn't skyrocketed the uh the whole franchise uh
0: so this was you know released in like 2013 2014 around there um, I believe Avengers Two came out in 2015 um, so this would be a couple years removed from the first Avengers film where she i think first appeared in the m c u in a uh, Two thousand nine, two thousand ten. Iron Man two was her debut. Okay. Um, so yeah, she was pretty much in the thick of it uh, around the time this came out. So that's really interesting timing when you consider her performance in this, mm-hmm. um, along with you know her parallels in the in the MCU stuff, where it's like mm, that's kid friendly and this is most certainly not. <laughs> um,
1: this is an A twenty four release. Um, I feel I feel like A twenty four. Um, the movies aren't always art house but they're a digestible art house because uh, I've definitely seen art house where I'm like this is two hours and 45 minutes and I don't this is the most boring thing I've ever seen I'm not going to mention the movie directly but it was really boring <laughs> <laughs> it was, um, but no like you get like uh, the Ari Aster uh, Hereditary and uh, Midsommar which aren't art house films they're just a little they're nice little, little horror films but um, but yeah, so my theory is on A twenty four is there's a ninety percent chance that the movie's going to be good, and about a sixty percent chance that you're actually going to like it. Uh, so, what was your initial reaction to this one? Uh,
0: I don't really know. I'm I'm hoping that this conversation will steer me towards a more concrete answer. But uh, anybody who's listened to this show for any stretch of time knows I'm I, I waffle quite a bit. I'm I'm always kind of the middle i take the middle road whenever possible i I very rarely say oh it's the greatest film ever or oh i absolutely (laughs) hated it this this was um a audio visual experience for sure yes Um, i I appreciated many images that uh, that were on the screen i i i didn't enjoy the score um but i appreciate its artistry uh obviously a, a lot of love and attention um to detail went into the manufacturing of the of the score for this film but um it's an it's intentionally discordant and mm. off-putting um but again i can appreciate the artistry and the the thought that went into it but um as a as a piece of entertainment uh it felt kind of hollow to me mm-hmm. um but that's that's the nature of the story is that it's you're kind of with scarlett johansson the entire film and uh emotionality is not really the core of the storytelling no. <laughs> like it's it's really not that um so it feels like a bit of a hollow experience um as evidenced by like the closing shots of it it's it's very melancholy at times but even less than that which it's, it's just gray. like it's not that you feel bummed out you're just kind of like floating along you're just along for the ride kind of yeah. you're a passenger um <laughs> which is fitting given that you literally are like even from a Cinematographical standpoint, you literally are a passenger in a van for about eighty percent of this movie.
1: See, I know this is this is not a film that's generally in your wheelhouse, and I can only subject myself to these kinds of movies maybe once a month. I mean, you can't you can't be doing this two or three times a week. You're just gonna be brain dead. Like, what was I supposed to take from that? I mean, part of the half of the movie is kind of like, what is happening? Like, you're trying to understand, like, what's the point of this? What's going on? And it's never really it's never really explained to you um, which is fine um, it's a it's a story about an alien basically uh, that's the just the plot is it's a it's an alien um, I'll, is, the, I'll, is
0: that your official plot I'll, summary? I'll give
1: my <laughs> official plot summary in a moment um, but yeah you mentioned the uh, you mentioned the score I'm like yeah the score is not supposed to be enjoyable it's supposed to be a little unsettling it's supposed to kind of annoy you a little bit um, what was the thing um, I want to eventually talk about maybe why they chose scotland uh, specifically for to shoot this i don't know if it was just that was the best place to shoot or if there was something about um uh the scottish dialect that was maybe um the reason why they they chose to this setting in particular um fun fact about the film you know that the uh the guys that are that she's talking to in the van that come up and talk to her they're not actually actors they were uh
0: locals uh which is kind of fun (laughs) yeah it's it's a fun bit of novelty um i don't i don't know that it improves the experience of the film Mm -mm. um but it is a very it's a cute anecdote um and and thankfully this film doesn't fall into the trap of you know sometimes like a gimmick like that becomes bigger than the film itself yeah where it's like oh we shot this entire film with a, a big name movie star with hidden cameras and it's like but is the movie any good <laughs> like um it's a small part of this film um you can actually kind of pinpoint um the scenes when they do things that way just based on the look of the of the film like uh the image fidelity changes from time to time like in the shopping mall in particular that looked like it was shot with a hidden camera yeah um it works though. And just it it works. Uh, it does stick out a little bit because it doesn't look as nice or as luscious as some of the like the landscape shots and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And yeah, a lot of the shots from the interior of the van uh, do look like hidden camera footage. But um, in terms of like authenticity of performance, I'm pretty sure you could get actors to do these scenes just as well. But um, in in cobbling together the footage, though, it probably would have been a really amazing experience for both the, the actress uh, Scarlett Johansson and uh and I'm sure the editors like mm-hmm. the editor and the director are like sorting through all this footage because I'm sure there's a lot of footage that did not end up in the film especially yeah. since um the the characters that do end up having a few more scenes beyond the van stuff uh as far as I know they had to sign like releases or it's yeah. like okay so you're gonna you're gonna be involved in, in further stages of the production now and it's like oh Whoa! <laughs> it's like wow. I get to do what now? <laughs> um, so yeah, I can give the I can give the plot summary real
1: quick. So we have uh, uh, a pair of people: one guy on a bike and a lady in a van, going around and attracting young men and luring them back to what I can only uh, I can only infer is some kind of portal into. A vat that juices, or like uh, that juices humans for meat, and that's all that she really does. And she eventually, I think, begins to assimilate with uh, human, with uh, humans, and that scares her. And eventually, loses, leaves, leads to her demise. Does
0: that's that a very concise summary. A good there we job. go. <laughs> Spoiler <laughs> alert: She's a fucking, yeah, a fucking alien. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, needs to be said, um, the alien aspect of things. We were talking before we recorded. Um, I was talking about like what this movie would be like if you went in a hundred percent blind, uh, because I knew this film based on what you had told me about it. Like you told me, there's a couple of images. Um, I think you told me about the the floor thing, mm-hmm. um, basically how the how the men are taken into the the vat as you described it. So I knew about that. Um, and also I knew the basic plot synopsis. So I knew right off the bat that, uh, Scarlett Johansson is playing an alien. Mm-hmm. Um, but I thought about it for a second while I was watching the film and much of it is very vague. Um, we, we can infer quite a bit, um, but nothing definitively. Um, so like if you did go into this film hundred percent blind, I'm curious, like if you would be able to figure out that she's an alien, uh, or if you would just be utterly confused and just asking questions constantly because obviously she's not human um, but other than exactly one shot that demonstrates um, what happens to the men in the vat we really don't get a good idea of for what purpose they're being gathered and what's happening to them Um, so yeah I'd be very curious uh, to know like how exactly how alienating this movie would be to someone who knows nothing about it going in
1: well, if you know nothing about it going in, I think the I think the movie would be even more engaging because you're just like, what is even happening in this film? Like, what, what is she doing? She she picks an ant off the lady's vagina. <laughs> it's just like, what, what what is that all about? What, what is she doing? <laughs> uh, for for uh, without context, like uh, I'm not gonna go through the the whole scene, but like the opening is a guy on a motorcycle and he pulls off and he it's at nighttime. He just kind of pulls off on the side of the road. It's not the opening shot, but like the first thing we really are seeing, um, and he just goes into the darkness and he comes out with a, a woman. She appears to be dead, just on his shoulder, and he just kind of throws her in the back of the van. And Scarjo is, you know, naked in this. It's I think it's I think the van or the house that she takes the guys in is some kind of portal.
0: Yeah, I I wasn't able to pinpoint which of those is true, if not both. Um, mm-hmm. I don't have a problem with either one. Like. Yeah. Uh, a a van with a portal in the back it's It's pretty cool cool (laughs) but but yeah there's a lot of uh rep this movie is very repetitive Um, Mm -hmm. there's a lot of uh repetition of motifs and images that it's it's never boring it's never frustrating it's just an observation um so don't take it the wrong way but um (laughs) there's a lot of crossing of thresholds um like the like the motorcycle man as i was calling him uh he's featured in the entire film he doesn't say a damn word um, but he's an ominous presence throughout. Um, yeah, when he gets off his bike and the van is parked on the side of the highway, uh, he just descends into, like, the moors or something. And it's just this vast blackness. Like, there's no streetlights. There's no, no signs of civilization. He just disappears into this inky blackness. And uh, the film does a really good job of training training your instincts to see that threshold, to see that darkness and fear it. Mm-hmm. Um because there's numerous instances where Scarlett Johansson is walking people into houses and it just so happens that the entryway is not well lit Um, so every time uh, we cut to the the other person following behind her and they have like an uncertain expression we the viewer kind of mirror their instincts and it's it's cleverly constructed the the whole film is very beautifully constructed Um, I'm not sure what I got out of it but uh, just from a structural standpoint it's pretty impressive but um, some of the early shots of the movie are absolutely gorgeous. Very uh, experimental, very creative. Um, like the first shot with the... It's just a, a dot of white light. And it's almost like, like 2001 A Space Odyssey mm-hmm. or something, where it's just a cacophony of droning noise. And then there's like a single pixel of just like whiteness in the center of the frame. And then it's impossible to tell what exactly what we're looking at. It's It's like maybe an example of the cleverest kind of visual or optical effect where it's like i don't know what i'm looking at i have no way of conceiving how it was constructed this is literally a magic trick that i'm seeing unfold in front of me because this could entirely be manufactured in a computer this could be a complicated uh camera maneuver or a cinematography trick this could be clever lensing or lighting i don't have a fucking clue it could be but a weird we close-up yes. yeah it's a it's a series of like white cylindrical objects and uh light blooms um it's it's incredible to behold because you really have no idea what you're looking at it could mm-hmm. be literally anything um and over it we have uh the first the first bit of i guess dialogue like human voice we hear in the film is uh scarlett johansson uh doing what i did when i was a very small child <laughs> um uh in my uh in my room uh, me and my brother had like bunk beds when we were little kids but uh in my room, we had the the alphabet, like uh, mm-hmm. a bunch of tiles up on the on the walls. And uh, my dad would go through and like do the like the phonetical alphabet. So he'd like point to the letter and have me make the sound. Mm. Um, she's literally doing that. So it's like symbolic of like, I guess, birth or like uh, uh, un- like coming into understanding of of human culture, I guess, because she's literally just making the phonetic sounds of the English language. Yeah, I think she's just being
1: uh, like all the observations of human culture, are just kind of being put
0: like yeah, put into her Yeah, I body. think she's being educated. Like she's preparing to fill a role, basically.
1: Because you, I mean, I kind of if you go in thinking that she's an alien, like from the beginning, you start to like, well, how like how much is she going to give herself away? One of the first things I notice is when she starts driving, she checks both her mirrors, like on both sides. I'm like, also, oh, she knows how to drive very well too. And you don't put that in there on accident. You're like, she's going to start driving. Like, if she's just going to start driving, they didn't pay attention to that detail. He wouldn't have put in both the mirrors. I don't think she puts on her seatbelt, though, which is super dangerous.
0: <laughs> she does an interesting thing that it was starting to bother me, like, very early on, where every time she's getting ready to speak to a man, um, she takes her seatbelt off preemptively. mm I'm not sure what the point of that is, other than maybe she's getting ready to, like, lean over to them or something. Like, yeah. Because she usually approaches them from the opposite side of the vehicle, so they have to reach—they have to look into the van to see her. It might be for the shots, too, like, if she has to lean
1: forward at all, because you're not sure—because, like we said, like, these guys, the guys that she's talking to outside the van— Aren't real actors, so it's they don't have to tell them where to be standing in order to get the shot. So if they're standing further away, she might have to lean forward. yeah, seatbelt being dragged, so I, I understand. But as far as like the character, I'm not entirely sure. Um, what was I say? Yeah, the the, the I was saying uh, earlier about like the big lights in the sky are like first if you don't really know it's an alien. She comes outside of this house with this uh, lady's clothes on that the lady that the guy and the bike picked up. But there's just like a, it's like four or five lights in the sky behind the clouds that no one can really see, and just the way that they're distributed, like the way that they're set, you can tell that it's nothing that humans had made, and they seem to be moving. So you're like, okay, it's it's an alien, it's an alien ship.
0: It's literally the only shot um, that explicitly makes it known that, like, she may have come from mm-hmm. above of some sort. Other than that, it's like a series of voids and uh, ominous interactions with. Mm-hmm dudes on bikes that don't talk <laughs> <laughs> and I like, I like a
1: good I like a good alien movie and kind of like werewolf movies they're hard to come by like, like, like actually trying to get a decent one like I still think like, aside like from the, the alien movies like Signs is actually a really good alien movie and it still really holds up um, I'm still trying to find good werewolf movies uh, they're, they're kind of hard to come by as well but this is a, a pretty good alien movie I would have to say
0: yeah I, I don't I don't like bite for alien abduction stories. That's not my jam. But uh, I've always wanted to see Fire in the Sky, just because I think I've mentioned it on the show before. Uh, a lot of the comic books I grew up reading had like uh, full-page advertisements for it, and it has that iconic poster of like a dude getting hit by a beam of light coming through the tree line, and I guess it has a a real uh, whopper of an abduction scene. Like it's pretty gnarly, um, especially if you're young. But yeah, uh, alien movies, uh, I wish there were more of them. I was I was pretty up on life uh when that movie came out. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think 2017. I think you felt the same, right?
1: Yes, I think that that movie is it, it gets panned, like it gets criticized. I'm like it's actually pretty solid.
0: Yeah, no, it it was very much like that that's what I like. I mean, I was talking about uh animal attack movies <laughs> on the uh, on the most recent uh, catching up on Blu-ray episode. And it's like, I will always show up for a monster on the loose movie. uh, Even if it's an extraterrestrial or whatever.
1: I mentioned him at the top. I think Ari Aster with his, like the way he films, I think that he could make a pretty unsettling alien movie.
0: I don't know. His, his, uh, his pacing might not work for that kind of movie. I I was
1: going to say, it would be very atmospheric. He makes you wait. Yeah. He's going to, he makes you wait. (laughs) He's going to make you wait. (laughs)
0: yeah um oh, i don't doubt that he could do it but um it would it would have to be a, a very unconventional one where it's like it's it'd be one of those frustrating arty horror films where it's like this isn't actually a monster movie it's about uh something domestic else. abuse <laughs> <laughs> and the the monster is a projection of something or something or other <laughs> yeah first
1: 30 minutes of airy Astro movies are you will go to sleep or i will put you to sleep and then it kicks in finally <laughs> Um, it's
0: every every like major like gotcha moment in his movies is very widely spaced um, mm-hmm. but expertly executed but you uh, yeah you can't you can't expect <laughs> a thrill a minute experience but that's that's why those moments hit as hard as they do is because and they leave uh, a the lasting impression in be- the filler in between is really well put together it's never wasted um, but in terms of like big moments, it's like, you know, we're going to let it breathe for a minute and then we'll have another one of those. And usually it'll happen when you're not quite ready for it. <laughs> yeah. As I say, well,
1: Hereditary does a much better job of building tension than Midsomer. Um, uh, is just a little bit different in how it builds up tension. And I think ultimately the payoff is pretty good. It's just, I don't think it's as uh, concise as Hereditary. Um, That's do you want
0: I'd, I'd, I'd like to see the directors get of that someday and I'm pretty sure you- you you ought to as well. Like it yeah. seems like something you should see.
1: I can't wait for him to put on uh. another movie. <laughs> um, do you want to talk about her performance? Because there's like there's definitely layers to it. Like as the movie progresses, like the way she interacts with people, and then ultimately when she kind of stops interacting, when she stops interacting, it's like I don't think she says a word after a certain point of the movie.
0: Yeah, I think you're right. Um, well, it's it's funny that you've like introduced the topic of her performance because her performance is basically the movie movie, other than than frequent and frustrating cutbacks to a motorcycle man uh, that that was the one bit of repetition that actually started to bug me because i was like okay this is getting silly (laughs) but like he's got to get there now
1: (laughs) there's some really good shots of the motorcycle man like 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 some really really far off shots taken but there's one in particular that I really liked it's when she's on the when she's on the run and you have him like driving down the road and there's the one behind like there's somebody filming from behind I don't know why I just really liked I, I like that
0: sequence M- motorcycles look amazing on film um, <laughs> like it's proven like look at uh, some of the mission impossible movies like mm. just the just the the speed and the intimacy of of like the the person riding the vehicle and the way you have to move those things in order to get them to perform like like watching a motorcycle lean into a turn it's like there's a reason they have pads on that part of their leg it's yeah. because they're literally probably going to touch the street <laughs> yeah. but um yeah the the tracking shot uh through the like the wooded area i, I think i know exactly what you're talking mm-hmm. about and yeah there's there's one that's way the fuck out there where it's like I don't know how many days you devoted to just like setting the camera up for exactly one shot, but yeah. um, I, I guess if it was worth it. It was it worth looks it. Cool. Was it worth um,
1: it? <laughs>
0: <laughs> and then yeah, uh, the first shot we get of him uh, is pretty incredible. Uh, it's a uh, it fits really well with the visual language of the first couple shots of the movie because, like mm-hmm. I said, it, like the movie starts out like a like a fucking acid trip almost, where it's like it I just don't, abstract nonsense. It, abstract. Yeah abstract is the right word uh, it's very abstract it's not it's not like alienating it's just like i i'm not these aren't structures that i can identify with i don't know where i am in space because i don't think i'm anywhere um maybe but just we to do get a, shot a little bit it's like, yes we're, uh, maybe like this is like you don't understand this
1: but this is far more confusing about than what you're gonna watch
0: well yeah i mean most of the movie you're you the viewer are treated as a exactly that like an observer like you're you're kind of pulled back from most of the action um it's uh it's interesting but we get like a shot of Scarjo's eye and that's like our first instance of humanity on film but um when the motorcycle man's introduced we get this really incredible shot um from like a camera mounted on the front of the motorcycle looking into his helmet mm-hmm. and he's going through a tunnel um And we can't see the light on his bike, so the helmet the reflective surface is completely just inky blackness, but all the uh like all the lights on all the vehicles passing him are like curving over his helmet mm-hmm. and it's it's really interesting to look at because it takes quite a while for you to figure out exactly what you're looking at, so he gets this really creepy, ominous uh entrance followed by him you know fishing a dead woman out of like a lake or something. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah Scarjo's performance though that's what you had brought up um it it's very layered and it it is it tells a story um and like you said the the dialogue is very sparse in this film, so it's all credit to her for varying her performance like within continuity of the film Because um, she has a very specific beginning point and end point like she goes she goes through many changes many different moods and she plays many different angles but um When we're introduced to her, I'd I'd like to zero in on that scene for just a second. Um, Go for it. uh, So, Motorcycle Man dumps the the woman from the lake or whatever in the back of the van, and uh, we get this extended, uh, almost like montage, of uh, the woman laying on the ground in a, it's like a pure white room um, that's... A very stunning effect unto itself. I don't know how they achieved that. If it was done with green screens or if they built a really complicated set, I couldn't tell you. But it's neat to look at because it, it's literally just a blank white room. It looks like the uh, the the gun room in the Matrix. <laughs> I was gonna say, it reminded me of two thousand one, like that in that
1: in room. There was lines in that room, but like it's just very, very just white. Yeah.
0: Yes. Um, but yeah, the woman's lying on her back. Um, and scarjo is in her birthday suit and mm-hmm. she just very casually is removed like methodically removing all the clothes from this woman who's just completely she's apparently still alive because she does shed a tear at one point mm. um, but she's unable to do anything like she's totally paralyzed um but it's this really fascinating moment where it's it's a series of really tight shots of scarjo just taking this lady's clothes off and she's treating her like cattle kind of like it's mm-hmm. she's not dealing with another human being like there's zero empathy in the way she's handling this like she's not being careful about how she goes about it she's just kind of like trying to jimmy this lady's pants off and get her <laughs> jacket off without you know well she probably wouldn't even care if she dislocated her shoulder or something yeah, but no. But yeah uh, that's where the, the ant happens mm-hmm. uh, that you pointed out She she finds an ant crawling on the surface of the woman's pelvis and just like we get this macro shot of her just like Observing this ant in close up, um, and in doing just like five minutes of research about this movie, I guess the whole, the whole idea, the whole concept behind the story is that this this is based on a, a novel um, that neither of us have read, as far as I know, um, and I guess the content of the book varies radically from this movie. That's that doesn't really matter, but um, I guess the the concept of the film is that we're this is a story about an alien observing humanity so the idea is every every experience that Scarlett Johansson is having in this in this movie from the first minute we're introduced to her is kind of her introduction to the human world and her learning from it and having it rub off on her Um, and if you think of I think that's the most important piece of information I would give to someone going into this movie because I do think it adds a lot of depth to the experience quite a bit, if you know that. Mm-hmm. If you know that that's the point of it.
1: Yeah, because I like when she has, like, a, or like a sensory overload. Like, one of the first instances is the soccer match. So she's driving around. She talks to a few guys. She does a little catch and release. <laughs> oh, shit, I forgot. So Theo Vaughn, uh, sorry, so, side note. Theo Vaughn was, uh I picked up a hitchhiker, and I guess he was driving, like, you hitcher? He's like, yeah, he's like... I- been hitching for a while. The guy was super nice. Like he, Theo was just giving him a ride, and he's like, "This is, like the weirdest people you've ever met." And he's just, like, "Oh, I've met some weird ones. Like you ever met a killer?" And uh, the uh, the guy's like, "No, I haven't met a killer, not that I know of." And he's like, "Okay." And uh, Theo dropped the dude off, and uh, Theo's like, "As yeah, doing a little catch and release today. <laughs> Let him go." <laughs> <laughs> it's so fucking funny. Fucking love Theo Vaughn. but yeah, she does a little a uh, little catch and release because uh, I. Uh, the first time I watched it, I didn't notice it. This was the second time I watched it. Like, she picks up a couple of fellas, but actually just drops them off at their destination. And I thought that was a, a little strange going back through. I'm like, oh, I didn't pick up on that. But the big one, yeah, she, uh, she's driving around just just like a serial killer would, just kind of driving around looking for people to pick up. And she goes through the, uh, the soccer. Like, there's a whole bunch of... Uh, Soccer fans just going through the streets, and she's just kind of she doesn't panic or anything, but she's just like not sure what to do, and she kind of has to pull over. I think she still kind of drives through them as well, and they're kind of looking at her like, "What are you?
0: What are you doing?" Well yeah, she's like keeps inching up mm-hmm. towards the crowd of people who are just you know all jaywalking because they're a herd of people. They can do that, but yeah, she just keeps inching forward, and eventually she like pulls around the corner. And what I got from that is that she was looking for people that were isolated. Mm-hmm. Um, because she did, like, in the early goings especially, she was keen on asking men um, if they had other people that were waiting on them. Like, are mm-hmm. you are you meeting someone? Do you have a family? Serial killer kind of shit. Yes. And, yes, she does have a, a Buffalo Bill van that she's drives <laughs> around town with. It's nicer.
1: <laughs> Dude, all, I'm sorry, like, uh, all the dudes that she's talking to, like, none of these guys are good looking. Like, they're, none of these guys are uh, handsome men that she's talking to. Um, and she is... In the 2013 Scarlett Johansson like she's going to turn a few heads so the fact that some of these dudes are fo- one dude in particular she takes back to the house and he's just like uh, I don't know about this man <laughs> if you get that gut feeling just walk away <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah no I, I got the sense that like maybe that was part of the selection process is that she's looking for people who, who will acquiesce to whatever it is she's requesting um, you know not so great looking lonely dudes um, would probably be more readily accepting of the idea of hopping into a van with a beautiful woman.
1: It's kind of a, this is kind of a female serial killer kind of movie. Like, yeah, she totally goes up. She has a, a specific type she's going for. She asks the right question. She's got the van. She lures them back. And she's completely dead, like dead-eyed about doing it. I do like how she she flips, like she like she's driving around, and she, there's just no like she's Terminator, like she's just a robot, just kind of driving around. And she starts talking to people. She gets the smile and everything. I think at one point she had kind of an accent, uh, just just a, one of the guys she talks. It's I think it's like one of the very first guys she talks to. It sounded like she was putting on a little bit of an accent, but then
0: it just goes away. Um, she she tries. She's putting on an accent throughout the entire film. Okay, but. I, I don't know it I don't know what kind of uh, UK accent it is I' I'm, I'm, I'm a dumb American I don't know yeah. all the all the accents from from it's block not to Scottish. Block. whatever she's doing it's it, not Scottish it's not Scottish but she does put on an accent throughout the entire film um, and yeah I don't know if there are specific criteria because um, it it does seem like she's being selective it, it seems to have mostly to do with like if they have families yeah um, she doesn't want she doesn't want anyone that anyone will look for basically because um, like one of the people that she stops uh immediately says like oh i have a family and she's like e- can we end this conversation so i can move on <laughs> <laughs> like, like,
1: yeah, she immediately <laughs> drives away from a couple of guys she she almost gets attacked by one little group of uh little shitheads <laughs> in the movie but there's one that she just like, she's like okay and then just like takes off like immediately Um, But yeah, I like how she switches it. like She'll just drive away, and then she'll just go right back to like just dead-eyed.
0: Well, yeah, that's one thing I wanted to key in on about the early stages of the film, which um, were very, very engrossing. Uh, It was very engaging, um, I think, before she started to develop a character. I don't know what that says about me. But um, in the early goings, it was really interesting to me how uh, she was very uh, business-minded. Like, she she had a very clear goal, like, and she didn't beat around the bush. She was strictly out to perform a task. And she was almost, like, comically single-minded about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and the point that I'm talking about is not a funny scene at all. Um, but I know it's a very important scene to the movie that I know you wanted to focus on was the, the beach. Yes. Um, the way she handles that situation is, it's almost comical how, like, about her own problems, she is. Um, but we should talk about that scene like in depth because it's one I th- of the better sequences in the whole movie. I mean,
1: I, I mean, I'll give you, I'll give you this. Like at a certain point, the movie does get kind of tedious to pay attention to. Like after a little while, you're just like, okay, this is kind of this is kind of dragging on a little bit. I think the movie finishes pretty well, but there's a big, there's a good sloggy section of the film. Um, but this, we should go ahead and talk about it because I wanted to talk about. Um, her interaction with the swimmer guy because that's where her. So she's really good at making small talk and getting these guys. She ends up getting one dude into the goo. She just kind of starts taking off her clothes. She doesn't say anything. She just leads them to either the van or, or a house. I think it's the house. Yeah, and she just kind of like gives them like the follow me kind of thing where she's kind of taking off her clothes. And the guys start taking off their clothes, but as they're walking, they just kind of sink into this pool of some kind and she just kind of leaves them there well
0: yeah it's it's kind of interesting how that's executed because the first time she gets someone uh it we we progressively get more and more and more of the process and um fittingly enough like like i said this film was expertly constructed like from an editing standpoint um by the time we get to the last of her abductions uh we get to see the process in like really intimate detail um, but the first time it happens uh, we cut away from it that's um, true we don't we don't even get to a house a dude gets in her van and then the next shot there's a there's an empty seat next to her mm. and immediately it, it's kind of neat because it's the first time she's gotten a person in the van and then two shots later it's like oh where did he go Like <laughs> And then it's not until a few scenes later that, yeah, she gets a dude to follow her all the way to a building. Um, and it's really interesting because the first time we get to see that effect of, of the man falling through the floor, which is a stunning effect. Um, it's, it's done using all manner of tricks, like uh, lighting tricks, uh, an actual like, prop pool that they're descending into. I'm sure there was CGI assistance. It's, again, one of those special effects that's it's right in front of your face but I defy you to tell me exactly how it was constructed. I do want to
1: mention something here. Now i watched a a weird little documentary about male nudity in movies. And one of the things was that you generally can't show erections in films. Like it's not, it's not something that's generally shown even in moments where the, support the man's supposed to be erect they generally it, where it's appropriate <laughs> there's there's a speci- there's a specific scene I'm thinking of where they used a um uh Stephen dwarf was like a coked out boxer or something in a film and they had to show him having a sex scene and they're like oh wait the censor said that they couldn't show him a wreck so they had to show him having sex and then like Pulling his penis out and it was it was flaccid, but I guess they had maybe tied a string to make it like longer or whatever. It, it's weird that I'm bringing this up now, but if you haven't seen this film, when she's luring these men into the uh, into the pools, they're fully erect, and we are seeing full-on erect penis in the film. And yeah, um, <laughs> go ahead. It's it's I'm just. It, I thought that that was something that you couldn't get past censors, but I mean that was, this was—I saw this in like the '90s, that, the little, the weird little documentary about um, male nudity in movies. So maybe they they lifted that. Like, nah, it's all all fair.
0: Well, this was also a United Kingdom slash mm. Swiss production, so you know, if as far as stereotypes go, in general, Europe is less, you know. They have less problems with nudity and stuff, but uh, yeah, you're not wrong because the the first uh, the first guy that she gets to go back to the house with with her, um, uh, he's uh, he's touching his own navel with his with his Jimmy yeah. <laughs> um, when he's walking towards her, and uh, yeah, that's not that's not how gravity works if there's no blood flow. Um, yeah. But, uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, the the first time we get to see this stunning effect, um, she has theme music that plays um, whenever she's in... Yeah, it, it's it's a like it's a like a heartbeat electronic mm-hmm. thumping. And then, yeah, like a, a screeching string noise. Um, and it needs to be said, the score for this film was done by someone by the name of uh, Mika or Micah uh, Levi or Levy, um, also known as Mika Chu. <laughs> <Mikachu. laughs> um, highly experimental stuff. Um, intentionally discordant and Mm -hmm. obnoxious at times but uh the the soundscape for this film i don't know if they the composer worked on the sound editing for the film but if you ask me that's actually the biggest star of this film um just the the attention to detail in the soundscape of the film is incredible Um, and we'll talk about that more in detail as we go but um yeah the first time we see a guy descend into the floor it's shot from behind so we don't get to see his reaction to anything and his head just dips into the floor and then she stops walking away from him and turns around it's like okay i'm gonna casually pick up his clothes now and go back to business (laughs) um but yeah as as these abduction scenes carry on we get to see them in more and more detail and we even get to see that uh they're almost like hypnotized because the one guy he's like locked eyes with her as Mm -hmm. he's descending like, he doesn't even, he's not even aware that he's going into the floor. Um, it's chilling to look at. Well, it could be a commentary on the sex the, the sex drive of men. <laughs> Basically,
1: once you're fully erect, you have tunnel vision at that point. So much so that a woman has led you into a pool in which you are going to die in. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, this boner killed you, bro. Um but yeah, I, we might as well talk about the beach, uh, the beach scene because that's where I found her interaction with the swimmer really interesting. Um, she she gets to this beach and it's like hard like 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 western Washington ocean, like western Washington Pacific Ocean, like big waves crashing, like big cold water. And there's a family out on the beach which we'll see in a minute, but the, it's just so random like there's it's so isolated and like how she got here or why she got here is not really clear but she's just kind of standing on the beach and this guy is coming out of the water and she just strikes up a conversation with him as if he was a guy on the street and even he's kind of like uh yeah I'm not from around here I'm just kind of visiting and but she's just still like the, the way she's playing it is like there's no like of course I would be right here talking to you why wouldn't I be here talking to you it's just very strange
0: yeah um and i think it fits with this idea of of an alien kind of learning humanity Mm -hmm. yeah because she's it's kind of interesting that when she like hits her apex um in terms of her ability to draw in men is when she breaks and can do it no longer Mm -hmm. um but yeah in the early stages she's a little clunky (laughs) but she knows she knows the broad strokes of how to do it um and i i like that Uh, before she even starts abducting people we have that scene of her going to a shopping mall Mm -hmm. which uh, um, like I said as far as you can tell um, was shot with hidden cameras um, mostly from behind uh, Scarlett Johansson walking through a very very crowded and noisy shopping mall Um, but yeah we get this brief montage of her like going to like the makeup counters and going through the women's clothing section and like there's a lot of lingering shots throughout the movie whenever we're in like populated parts of town of just people doing people things Mm -hmm. and given that we're with her pretty much the entirety of the film you can interpret it as her like making observations and putting putting notes in her in her book about this is how this is how this shit's done Mm -hmm. um and even her outfit is like it almost feels like an approximation of what what would be attractive to men yeah cuz it's, it's not it's she's not dressed well. <laughs> no, but it, it,
1: she's of a caliber of hotness that it doesn't matter what you put her in, she's
0: going to turn heads. Yeah, yeah, but um yeah, when we get to the beach, I think his first uh, bit of dialogue to her is like I thought you were going to steal my towel. Yeah. <laughs> cuz she's just standing there by his shit like watching him while he's he's in like a a wetsuit or a dry yeah. suit and he's nope. been swimming in fucking frigid ass water that's
1: some cold ass water well this is the thing where she was getting people from she's trying to get stragglers from the crowd like from like town basically this is you've already got the guy isolated it's kind of weird that you would come here to grab somebody but yeah she she chats with him for a little bit and then when i first want this scene really i'm like Motherfucker. Uh, going back and watching it the second time, I realized that the dog, that's not even a dog. Like, that's a that's a dog floater head of some kind. <laughs> like, it, if you look closely, like, that thing isn't even, it's not even animate. Like, it's an inanimate object. But there's a, uh, like, they're sitting there talking, and then uh, some kind of noise, and so they realize, and there's a, a woman in this really really rough like uh, rough water, like it's not water you get into, and you can see a woman in her street clothes, and she's swimming out into this water, and she's going after a dog, and it looks as though the current is pulling the dog out further, so she you know freaks out, and then the uh, the husband ends up running out in the water too, and then the guy in the wetsuit runs over there to uh, to go help, and Scarjo just sits there, sits there. Watch. She also doesn't have a name in this, so we're just gonna have to call her Scarjo anyway. Uh, but she just kind of sits there with her hands in her pockets and just watches the whole thing unfold.
0: Yeah, it's it's really well executed. It's very chilling because uh, if I remember right, the the score kind of takes a breather at this point. The score is typically ever present throughout this film. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just all manner of no. This is a very noisy film, actually. Like yeah. it, it kind of vacillates back and forth between being like a hundred percent quiet and noisy as hell um again you're supposed to be viewing this film through the lens of an alien um which makes all the sense in the world but uh yeah uh it's interesting that most of the beach shots are from her perspective Mm -hmm. so all the all the action is happening at a great distance from us and yeah she she just plants her feet and just casually observes but um part of what makes this sequence so effective is how like legitimately harrowing it looks yes because because i i can't speak for the dog but the the man and the woman are real those are those are real people in real rough water and I, i would imagine they were tied up to lines or something on the shore um and you've got somebody in a jet
1: ski out of frame over there in case something happens. Like, yeah, they took the right precautions. You can't put a. Do- I don't think you can put a dog out in those those kind of conditions. No, no,
0: no, no. no. Somebody somebody would object to that. I would sure. object. I would object to that if they did that. You know how I love dogs. Yeah, I know how you love dogs, oh, but it. yeah, w- watching it, especially seeing it at such a great distance, because it's not cinematic, it comes across as very legit and. Mm-hmm. Um, just watching the water and watching how dangerous it appears it's like oh wow um and yeah the the woman and the dog disappear yeah um the the uh the man in the wetsuit uh retrieves the man um pulls him back to shore um and then the man immediately goes right back out um all the while uh his baby is crying yeah like 20 feet up the shore <laughs> this
1: this man has the worst dad instincts ever like i'm sorry like first of all your dog shouldn't have been out there it trust yeah, me no if, fucking shit <laughs> if it were me and i allowed that to happen i'm like i don't i don't even know what i would do if i let my dog like get get out in the water like that like i it would be tough it would be hard but like if my partner then goes in to swim after i'm like like i've got the kid here like i gotta stay with the kid i'm sorry like Bad dad instincts. This poor kid. I love his outfit, though. <laughs> he has a nice, like a nice big wool sweater on and a jacket over that, too. He looks, looks nice. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, this whole sequence is good. So the guy comes, the, the guy in the wetsuit comes back just exhausted and collapses on the beach, which is rocks, by the way. And I, I love this where she just kind of walks up to him and she looks around. Like Scarjo just kind of looks around and picks up a rock and just smashes him in the back of the head and then i think that, just... that's
0: what i mean about comical single-mindedness yeah. where she doesn't even think about it she just like spends two seconds finding the right rock yeah and just bops him on the head but <laughs> what what makes it especially comical is that the aftermath mm-hmm. where it's like now you got to get him in the van yeah and we get to see even the light changes so we get to see like we don't get to see every minute of it but we do see that the lighting has changed to get like which suggests it probably took her a very long time to drag him yeah. up, to the, up to the van.
1: But it is cute how she does it because I think she's in heels, and it's just kind of like the way she does it is just very, just it's just bop, bopped it's him around the head. very
0: clinical. Like there's there's no drama in in the body language. It's yeah. just kind of like, well, this will do it. <laughs> um,
1: I do like how she she does eventually get him back to the van, and then um, the motorcycle guy shows up. And he just, we see, like, the inside of a tent, and we see, like, somebody just kind of rustling it up. And it's like, oh, it's the motorcycle guy. He's getting all the guy's stuff, so they can't track him. And then you see him walking towards the baby, and it's like, the baby's on the beach, and the the uh, tide is coming up, it appears. And the baby's a good, uh, I'd say, like, ten feet away from the where the tide is actually touching, and this poor mm-hmm. kid is screaming bloody murder and he's like one he's like one years old and the guy comes up and this is a really this is kind of funny too uh, the way that he does this it, i mean dark comedy here um he walks we're, over we're horrible people we're horrible because
0: people. I, I i chuckled a little.
1: <laughs> yeah because it's kind of funny You're like oh i wasn't expecting that he's walking like he's gonna go pick up the kid and he just picks up like uh, some article of clothing that was sitting over there that I guess that belonged to the the guy in the suit, and he just walks away. And you see this kid kind of like roll over, and he's about to stand up, and you're like, that kid is not that kid's not gonna make it because it is cold, and he's gonna end up in that water. Um, and that that whole sequence when I first watched it, I'm like, holy shit! Like it it's very uncomfortable, it's very unsettling
0: yeah it's it's utterly ruthless mm-hmm. but again it it calls back to our introduction of the character like i said i use the word like explicitly cattle like yes she's she's not really there's no empathy in her heart so like in terms of like thinking about the best way to dispose of a person or mm-hmm. like worrying about their offspring it's like i don't care like, <laughs> get in the van <laughs> I,
1: I like her a uh, sensory overload does she fall down first or does she
0: go to the club first she goes to the club first, okay. um, but yeah, the the club scene was really interesting because mm-hmm. she's pursuing a guy in the parking lot, and then a herd, of. a gaggle, of a gaggle, Scottish, <laughs> a gaggle of <laughs> Scottish women, um, Scottish hooligan female who again <laughs> so um, they are dressed to the nines and they are headed to the club mm-hmm. <laughs> they got their bumpets in they're ready to go um she tries to walk past them and they like push her into the club they yeah. ain't have, they ain't having it no she's <laughs> so,
1: going out that night um, and
0: what's really amazing about the scene is as soon as we go in there um i think they're playing a uh, sandstorm darud <laughs> <laughs> <No>. <laughs> <laughs> yep, it's Daru. It's yeah sandstorm <laughs> i think that was from like the year 2000 on the nose but yeah there's a there's um, a funny
1: there's a funny video of a guy that has like a toy trumpet who i guess he was probably in band he does it's really funny i'll have to send it to you
0: <laughs> no uh people of a certain age range they they know they know this song <laughs> but um yeah it, it's a combination of strobe lights and red lights and just like bodies sweaty bodies slamming into each other grossly uncoordinated bodies yeah. slamming into each other and uh we the way the way the edits are done here it's it's frenetic and we can see just based on her expression and the urgency of her movements that this is not cool like this is not sitting well with her
1: yeah it's yeah I, I, you have to think about it from her point of view the only thing she's done has just been driving about 55 miles an hour tops in a van in daylight or in the evening there's not been a lot of like she hasn't experienced anything like this and she ends up just like she doesn't look panicked, but she just starts running and just, like, tries to get out of there as soon as possible. Yeah,
0: she, she ducks into a back door and heads down a stairwell where we can still hear all the music and stuff. And then, as it so happens, the door she comes out of is just another section of the club. Yeah. And her expression tells us a lot where it's like, oh, I was hoping this would be outside. But, <laughs> no. um, this, uh, this, um, is a good example i guess it's a good time to talk about the soundscape of the film because like i said i think it is actually one of the most impressive parts of the production is that the the way the audio is presented in the film everything is heightened like everything Mm -hmm. is heightened um in that introductory sequence of her stripping the woman in the white room um every little um sliding of fabric on the ground um Mm -hmm. when she has the heels on every 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 single noise that can happen in that like just her fingers running across fabric or touching flesh sounds very loud and like it's right up against the microphone um and the same goes with her just doing her casual drives around town like things like uh train noises uh that you can tell are happening in the distance it's very loud it's very apparent airplanes passing overhead in fact uh when she's in the parking lot, before she goes into the club, an airplane passes overhead, and it is so incredibly loud, it just consumes the sound in the room. Like, you don't hear anything but that. Um, and, like, seagulls overhead. Like, when the baby's crying, you hear not only the beach, like, the, the waves crashing against the shore, you also hear seagulls. And every sound in the movie is heightened in such a way that's, like, you need to come at it from the sta- standpoint that it's, like, this is an alien experiencing all the stimuli for the first time. Mm-hmm. So it, of course it's going to be more apparent. They've never used their ears before, um, and yeah, the club scene is is an example of just sensory overload where it's like okay, all the, like everything was a lot before, but this is just too much. Yeah, way too much. Um, and what's especially like like well considered in that sequence is it's it's also the first instance of one of her prey uh, picking her up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so she learns a new trick where uh, this this real tiny guy because um, cigar is what like five two yeah five one he's <laughs> wearing
1: heels so i'm gonna give her like five three but he is like an inch shorter than her
0: he is diminutive mm-hmm. um but he he comes up he hustles up to her in a hurry and uh yeah he he puts the moves on her and My her closes. reactions yeah. Her, her yeah he d- the man closes, <laughs> <He> closes. <laughs> give him that he he got i mean before his passing um yes. whenever that happens because we don't get to see it on screen um whenever his passing occurred he does get to go to his grave knowing that he he got to walk out of that club with Scarjo on his arm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. so good for him but uh her reactions during that exchange are kind of hilarious cuz she's like she doesn't know what to make of this <laughs> like yeah. she's like this is this is what i do what's happening <laughs> and i like how they uh i think they go dancing and i think she's just mostly just bobbing up and down like mm-hmm. she He's very insistent that they go out to the dance floor and dance, and she's just kind of like, kind of like bouncing up and down in front of him, and he keeps like trying to come in and like do stuff, <laughs> but but yeah. she's not, She just doesn't, doesn't know, know what, what to, to do. make of it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, his uh, his uh, his doom, his end. Um, we should talk about that because yeah. that's when we finally get explicit detail as to what happens beneath the floor.
1: Yeah, he ends up. Uh he ends up walking following his boner into the pool of death and uh he uh as he gets down there he he's the first person that we see like under there like what what exactly is this like it's not water he's not drowning he's just kind of suspended in in this weird abyss and he sees her walking overhead and she's like you know picking up the clothes and everything and he looks over and there's some other naked dude in there and it I figured out who it was. It was the surfer guy because I'm like, this guy doesn't look familiar. Uh, okay. But it's the, it's the surfer guy. And he, uh, do you want to describe? I don't know how to describe this.
0: Um. So what he looks like is he looks like a a bloated corpse. Um. So it it doesn't matter if it's wet or not. Like a, a dead body left out in the air for any amount of time that you know g- gases and fluids will bloat so people inflate when they when they die um and also the way his his skin hangs it's almost like take your your fingers pruning if you hang out in the pool for too long and spread that across your entire body Mm -hmm. um and leave that person in a pool for a week yeah kyle kyle is pulling on the flesh on his my weenus tricep yeah Yeah.
1: (laughs) the the elbow skin the weenus
0: yeah, it's kind of like
1: it's if you pull your if you pull your elbow skin, it's kind of like that. It's just like very like there's so the
0: idea is his skin is there's it's no longer taut. Uh, yes, it's no longer taut and it, it's because he's suspended in some sort of fluid, it's it's kind of flowing and it looks like there's a layer of fluid between his epidermis and his muscle tissue.
1: But he seems to be with it, and the oh yeah, he's moving. He's making paint expressions. Yeah, and he kind of like I guess the other guy kind of gets close to him, and he kind of touches his hand, and then the guy touches him back, and it kind of freaks him out, and then the dude just implodes basically, like he just gets sucked up, and this is where we get like, oh, this is what they're doing.
0: Yeah, uh, he he does like implode. Um, all all that's left of him is his skin. Uh, which still has his hair on it, by the way, um, <laughs> and we get we get some very uh, arty slash experimental shots of just his his skin bag like floating and tossing in in this liquid suspension. By the way, both of them are entirely lit in like a shade of blue. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very trippy stuff, and they're just in a completely black void. It's it's it wasn't it wasn't a hundred percent frightening, but it's very off putting. It's like, very off putting. Don't, I don't. I don't want that to happen to me for sure, no. um, especially because, like you said, he's with it. Like he's, it's like <laughs> you are alive when they, when start, they start to, to eat, eat you. you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and then um, we get the warm liquid goo phase. Yes, Kyle, that's that's the best description possible for what we see. It's just a single shot of what appears to be a. Uh, it's all bathed in red light. It's just a sluice with um, what appears to be gore and just like meaty tissue sliding sliding down away from us down a chute of some sort um so it's inferred i guess that all of all of the contents of his skin bag uh, were pushed down this chute uh, yeah. to where to what destination we don't know for what purpose we don't know but uh looks doesn't look fun <laughs> that's for sure <laughs> so uh, one of the more uh, noteworthy abductions that happens, and it's actually like kind of the turning point of the film, so yeah. it's important that we we key in on it. Is a uh, ScarJo uh, at approximately like the midway point of the film. She uh, ends up abducting a uh, a man with a facial disfigurement. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a uh, this person is an actor. Uh, their name is Adam Pearson. Um, and what you're seeing on screen this is legitimately his face so this is not prosthetics this is not makeup effects this is a real person um, and as an actor I thought he did really well actually <laughs> um, but uh, this uh, sequence is really interesting because like I said this is a turning point not only for the film but for uh, ScarJo as a, as a character so um, and and it's kind of neat how we get to see it all unfold like beat for beat uh, because uh, unlike some of the other abductions we get to see everything from beginning to end so she like pulls up to this guy uh, who has a hood on and everything so we can't really see his face um uh she she like calls out to him like one frame before he's even in in sight mm-hmm. like this like i said this is kind of represents her at the peak of her her powers in terms of like luring men into her thrall mm-hmm. so like she is so quick on the draw she's almost ahead of him <laughs> but oh she uh, is she, ahead of him. <laughs> yeah she is very much ahead of him she has to coax the hell out of him uh, because he's not really he's not exactly on board with what she's offering because he's probably skeptical um but yeah she like entices him into the van because she's like oh i can i can give you a ride to the grocery and stuff and i like this reaction when they stop he's like this isn't Tesco's. Is, like, Cause that's the name of the grocery. He's like, you didn't take me where you said you were going to fucking bitch. <laughs> He's like very disappointed, but, um, yeah, she has to like play every card she has to get him to come along. Like she has to forcibly like grab his hand and like make him touch her face and, and like touch her neck. And she has to press him pretty fucking hard to get him to come around. Um, and eventually it does work out. Um, but what separates uh, this sequence of him going into the floor from the others is that um, typically typically it's very silent she just like turns her back to the subject and walks away from them as she disrobes um, and then they descend into the, into the pool uh, this time she's like facing him uh, she, at some point in her abduction she starts turning around to make eye contact with the person um, and this time she's talking to him like he he actually asks like am i dreaming and she's like yeah you're you're dreaming. So it's it's just a much more intimate exchange before it was very dispassionate. Mm-hmm. It it was very much like her hitting the guy with the rock on the beach. It's very clinical. It's just like okay, let's get this shit done. This time though she's like kind of sensitive to to whatever problems he's having cuz he's you can tell he's nervous. He's mm-hmm. not as locked in on on, you know, pursuing her as some of the other guys were. Um but sure enough, yeah, he does descend into the floor, just like all the others. Um, but we get a moment when she's leaving the building, um, where this was hinted at earlier in the film. But it was so, it was so hazy uh, and vague at, at the at that point in the film that uh, we, the viewer, knew something of significance was transpiring, but we didn't exactly know what. Um, so what I'm alluding to is uh, there's a sequence. Um, where they're just in a a room together, the Motorcycle Man and ScarJo. And uh, he's just uh, taking a look at her. Like, he's right up in her personal space. And uh, he's just locking eyes with her as she stares straight ahead um, from multiple angles. And I interpreted it correctly, as far as I understand it, uh, as uh, him checking to see, like, are you still you? Like, I, I... it was very ill-defined at that moment, but I was like, obviously, this is him sizing her up, trying to get, trying to make sure that she's staying on task or something. Um, I think on and task,
1: and also at, at the end of the film, she starts to deteriorate. So I think he might have been also checking to make sure that she's still intact.
0: That could be, um, because we do get a close-up of, uh, of her eye, um, towards the end of the film, um, and it looks fine. But yeah, it could be that her uh, her packaging. Uh, mm. could be it could be temporary or something like it, it may have an expiration date um, that's a that's a good that's a good interpretation um but this gets revisited after the the man with the disfigured face goes through the floor because mm. uh as she's exiting the building she comes across a mirror and she's like mesmerized by her own reflection like she doesn't express any emotion but she's transfixed on her reflection like she can't stop looking at herself um and it's that moment that kind of changes the the flow of the rest of the film.
1: Yeah, cuz we we she she leaves and then we kind of get a scene where this guy is just running naked through a field <laughs> towards his house.
0: Yeah, she I think she steps out of the building but then uh she hurries back in or something and the very next shot is him the the man with the face uh standing outside the building <laughs> naked. So, apparently, she freed him. Like, she went back for him or something. And, yeah, he's just, like, kind of casually running through the fields naked at, like, I don't know if it's dawn or if it's evening or something. But, uh, yeah, he's trying to head back to civilization. And, again, we get an almost comical sequence of what happens to him, mm-hmm. wherein uh, he does make it back to town. He makes it all the way fucking home, as far as I can tell. Yeah. <laughs> um, motorcycle man intercepts him, though. Uh, so, this naked guy is uh, coming up to like the the back door of a house and a motorcycle man uh, manages to get there just in time where he like he punches a, a he punches the passenger window no it's a uh, UK so it'd be the yeah, driver the driver's side, side. You know? <laughs> he punches the window out of the car and uh he just like casually runs up to the guy the naked man and tosses him in his own trunk Yep. And drives off. And all the while, uh, Gam-Gam is watching yeah. from the second floor across the street. And he doesn't <laughs> even like, give a shit. He, something just,
1: about it. he just looks right at her like, yeah, what now? Yeah,
0: yeah. he's like, that just happened, Gam-Gam. What are you going to do about it? <laughs> and
1: at this point, she kind of just goes, uh, she, not on the run, she just kind of stops. She, she stops on like a, a foggy uh, roadway and she just kind of gets out and makes her way into town. Um, she makes her way into a restaurant. And she tries to eat a piece of cake, which looks, does not look very good. It looks like it's going to be a really, really sweet piece of cake. Um, she tries to eat it. Um, she just puts it in her mouth and then really obnoxiously, uh, she just spits it out like, bleh, bleh, like right on top <laughs> of the cake too. And you can see it and you can just see all the people in the restaurant like, what the fuck is her problem? <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, it was a nice little moment, especially the anticipation of her eating the cake because mm-hmm. she takes a she takes a minute to stare at that that piece of cake on the on the fork. I wanted to point out
1: one thing that I thought was uh, kind of interesting. So there's a moment where she's stuck in a traffic jam and some guy just knocks on her window and gives her a flower, and he's like, "Yeah, that guy stuck in the traffic jam on the other side of the road bought it for you." And you, they show the guy kind of wave to her, and she just doesn't know what to do with it, she just kind of sits on the chair, but then she has blood on her hand. And she sits there for a good 30 seconds, just, like, trying to make sense of what it is, and she's just like, what, what, what did this, where did this come from? What What happened? And then she notices the guy that was selling the flower has got blood on his hand. And I noticed something, like, I I half expected her to taste it. Same thing with the ant. Same, Same here. I, yeah, and I'm like, I wonder, I don't know why. I, it's it's framed like she's going to also and just here she's actually eating something. So it's weird. She's becoming aware of like, like eating something or tasting something
0: like it. Has it it always been there? I wasn't certain what the, the blood on her hand from the, the Rose guy was all about. Um, I don't know how to interpret that, but I do think it's interesting that I think the placement of that sequence happens around the time we see the diver guy, um, Implode, and we'd we'd get to see that these these men are being harvested for their insides mm-hmm. um so maybe it's just a like a allusion to that or something mm-hmm. it's like this is the whole reason I'm here, but i can't I can't just reach out and grab it. I have to go about it in this like covert way, yeah, um so maybe maybe those looks of her maybe our interpretation of her like wanting to lick it or consume it it's like but that's not the task the task yeah. is to to get the thing and and blend in at the same time, because that would not allow you to blend in if you were licking blood off your palm. No. Uh, Someone else's blood, especially, (laughs) Um, in traffic. But, um, yeah, uh, there's another callback. Like, I haven't listed every example of it because we'll be here all day, but uh, (laughs) when when she uh, parks the van in the foggy embankment, uh, that was a really, really visually striking moment and it's again her like crossing a threshold of some sort this time it's a it's a white just like a white space that she disappears into uh, as opposed to all the inky black spaces that she was crossing through so it's uh, very symbolic uh, being as that begins the next chapter of the story wherein like you said she's kind of aimless like i don't think she has an objective and that's probably why she gets so freaked out towards the end is because she doesn't know what the hell she's doing mm-hmm. she I interpreted it as um, she went native kind of where mm-hmm. she was exposed to humanity to such an extent that it was starting to rub off on her but she doesn't have the tools to comprehend it mm-hmm. so she's developing like human compulsions but her anatomy and just her psychological makeup just can't accommodate it so like the cake for instance is something that's like yeah most people would look at a piece of cake even even that piece of cake which like you said looks like I don't know grocery store cake where it's mm-hmm. like you can tell you can tell the frosting is just going to be like cloyingly sweet and it's going to hurt your teeth <laughs> but you know or in general you look at a piece of cake and you're like oh I, I have an idea of what that tastes like and yeah maybe maybe on some days I'll want that and it's like her trying to like sample that bit of humanity where I don't think we ever see her eat in the film nor do we ever explicitly I think get to see her sleep Mm-mm. um so I, she lays down and she like gets in bed and stuff, but we never actually see her with her eyes shut. Um, in fact, she barely blinks in this movie. Yeah, she barely. So blinks. it could be that she doesn't have to do any of those things. Um, unlike a human. Um, and yeah, when she eats the cake, it's like, she's trying to satisfy a need that she feels she has, but her body's just not equipped to handle it, which is why she retches. Um, but then she meets a fella at a bus stop. Um, and that that kinda of begins a, a whole new chapter of the story that's very awkward. It,
1: it's very long. It's very long and drawn out and I'm not sure what the point is. I'll kind of like kind of fast track it to the important where we get to the important part. But yeah, she <clears throat> I mean, this guy's genuine, he seems like he's trying to help her out. Like it's cold outside, she doesn't have a jacket and he's just kinda of asking her. He could tell that something's off, maybe she's in shock or something. He's like, You need help or something? Um And he seems like he's gone through maybe a divorce, or maybe uh, his wife had died or something. He seems like he's suffered some kind of trauma recently. But he ends up taking her back to uh, um, where he lives. He ends up taking her first thing to a bodega, like a little, little grocery store. Picks up some stuff and takes her back to his apartment. Throws on the TV. Makes her a disgusting looking little lunch. I think it's beans on top of bread it might be like a like an english breakfast where it's like eggs sausage beans on top of
0: bread it does not look good
1: sorry if it's mm-hmm. mm-hmm. sorry
0: I, i've had man witches that are better looking than that man Ooh, <laughs> it does
1: not look good and she doesn't even touch it and she just actually just i think it's her first time seeing a tv and she's just watching the tv and she just like zoned out on that like what the
0: what is even this yeah. um, um not to not to cut you off 100 percent, but i'm glad you brought up the tv uh, because they're doing some sort of comedy act. It's like a variety show or something. Yeah. It's, um, something to do with a bottle and a spoon. Yeah. It's supposed <laughs> I, to be a magic sh- nope. magic trick. I think. Is I didn't get it either, but I'm I'm sure that that was the whole point. Is that it's like we're gonna find the most obtuse comedic act we can find from television. Um, so it's almost like I, I'd i buy that for a dollar. <laughs> I was going to say,
1: Scottish people, try watching Adult Swim. <laughs> try getting through the Eric Andre show or Aqua Teen Hunger Force or the Tim and Eric show. Good luck.
0: <laughs> but the reason why I wanted to stop you for a second was just um, uh, the radio. Um, I mm-hmm. noticed the thing with the radio that was very fascinating to me. Because there's a sequence where she's uh, just doing her rounds in her van where she's scouting dudes and whatnot. Um, but it's just this long sustained shot where she's eyeing all the passerbys and uh the radio is talking about the beach incident, mm-hmm. like there's missing people and whatnot, and her face communicates to us that she's she doesn't care she has no um, idea but again, what it is. but again, if you look at the the audio like arrangement of the film, I interpreted almost all the sound in the film, even if she's not on camera as being put through a filter representing like her ears. Um, and earlier in the film, the radio was not apparent, um, but at some point, like at that moment specifically, um, most of her time spent in the van from there on out, uh, the radio is very apparent. It's not, it's, not a, it's not really talking about anything in particular. The beach thing was the only thing that's actually relevant to what we've seen, what what the viewer has seen. Um, but for the, the the few scenes in the van following that, um the radio is much louder and more apparent than it had been previously hmm. um and also a lot of the crowd noises um just feel more clear um before again like you said like part of putting the story in Scotland may have to do with the accent mm-hmm. where it's it's generally uh, impenetrable uh, to <laughs> to to most non-scots i guess yeah it's it's um,
1: hard to follow
0: <laughs> yeah and when you hear that in crowd noise it's just a noise of it's just human noise you you can't really find a voice in between there you can't find specific syllables or specific words but the radio starts to get much more clear where she's like it's almost like she's trained her ear to to single out all the distinct noises and and actually make language out of it
1: well something i just i just kind of thought of was uh, there's a couple of instances where some guys try to like try to strike up conversation with her while she's in the van and both times I had to put on the subtitles And even the subtitles aren't even Telling what they're saying There's like a guy talking to her from another car I guess trying to pick up on her And then the hooligans, like the guys like Talking to her, like I have no idea what either one of those guys Were saying, and it doesn't seem like she knows what they're saying Either, or even cares to understand What they're saying
0: Yeah, at that sequence in particular with the hooligans Um, I, I didn't pick out A single word what he mm-hmm. was saying The audio for him, for whatever reason, was turned all the way down Um And I liked her reaction to that too, where she, she didn't panic or anything. She's just like, Oh, I'm out (laughs) of here. I don't need this. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this, uh, this fella that she meets at the bus stop, um, it's a very patient man (laughs) because, uh, like you said, um, from, from when she goes native to the end of the movie, I don't think she says a word. She do not think she says a single word. Yeah. So she doesn't say a word other than, uh, to him, like, she, I think she says yes eventually when he says, like, do you need help? Are you okay? And yeah. eventually she does acknowledge verbally, but outside of that, not a damn word. <laughs> yeah, he, he makes her
1: food and they go for a walk. And this is the other <laughs> the other sensory thing was that they end up walking to a castle. It's little nice. He's a gentleman. She has to walk over this big puddle. He just picks her up and carries her across the puddle. But she's really afraid. I guess that's what you would say. I guess she doesn't know how to um, understand because she hasn't been up high and she's up really high where the wind is very strong and loud and I feel like that would be a little off-putting for her. It's like, I don't know I don't know how to process this and going up and down stairs I didn't notice. Uh, I guess the winding stairs were a little more difficult for her. I'm not really sure.
0: I mean, when she's first introduced to us uh, she rapidly descends a staircase so that was a little um strange i guess mm-hmm. because that's inconsistent with how we were first introduced to her but i i i do think it's, uh, it's a it's it's significant to note that uh when she when she meets this guy from the bus um <laughs> that man from the bus <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> um i they they very intentionally do a thing where um she's following him to his home and i uh, he opens the door for her. Uh, Whereas in all of her other interactions with men, she opens the door and they follow. Um, She walks through the threshold of the the doom room and they follow. This time, though, he's inviting her into his home. Um, And same with the the castle. Like, he carries her in there. Uh, They go up there together. And then, yeah, when she we can't tell based on her body language and her face exactly what she's feeling. Like if it's, he interprets it as fear. Um, I don't think it's cold. uh, Although the wind is howling because um, as everybody pointed out for her, she was ill dressed um, for the conditions in the Scottish islands. Um, So maybe weather doesn't affect her the same way it does the rest of us.
1: I think it is sensory because we completely forgot about one of uh, a really important scene is when she falls down on the sidewalk um, ah, yes, I think that that I think what she's experiencing on the castle is like she hasn't experienced weather like this. I think the, I think she's a little bit rattled because when she's she's walking down the street at one point and uh, it's unclear. She just she happens to follow or trip and she lands face first and we kind of get like that uh, Tom Hanks in, uh, in a Saving Private Ryan where he just goes, Ooh, and she's just like. She doesn't know what to do. She doesn't move. She doesn't like do a push up to like get herself off the ground. And her face is just just staring at the sidewalk, and she doesn't know what to do. <laughs> and then there's like people standing around her, like, "Hey, are you, are you all right? <laughs> You're just kind of laying there."
0: Yeah, it's difficult to interpret if she feels pain, but in in one sense, I guess you could say that's like this maybe the first time she experienced that that kind of sensation. If you'd
1: never experienced falling down before, and like, if you ever like hit your head or like, uh, like falling down, where it's like, it happens so quick that you it takes you a second to realize what happened because you've done that before. But if she's never fallen down and all of a sudden it just happens so fast that she's just staring at to guess nothing or she's just like really close to something, like, what I don't even know what just what just happened.
0: Mm hmm i mean on one end too it could be like relishing the stimuli where mm. it's like this is a new this is a brand new feeling doesn't this matter if it's good diff- or bad it's just new <laughs> yeah this is different i'm just gonna revel in this for just a second and then i did like the you know a couple of dudes help her up and she doesn't even acknowledge them. <laughs> she just keeps walking but what's interesting about the way that shot is that we're it's like another hidden camera shot from across the street and it's just a whole minute of her you know like pacing down this sidewalk and then out of nowhere she just trips i think it might have been legit too yeah she's like a a woman on a mission when it happens but uh yeah it happens very suddenly and it's a it's not an insignificant moment that's for sure i i'm not entirely certain what its reason for being there is but obviously we said quite a bit about it it stands out
1: I think the, the main thing to take away from, which is why I think that the castle scene is just, she doesn't feel what humans feel. I think it's more of like um, like, like a, a robot, like something's off, like when she's on the castle. The wind, it's like, this, is, this isn't normal. I haven't experienced this before. And I think her going down the stairs, is she's still kind of rattled from that experience.
0: Yeah, it's, it's a very interesting sequence because it's very long and it's shot very intimately mostly because logistically it's like it's a fucking castle staircase yeah like, there's not a whole lot of room to maneuver but yeah it's just this guy leading her down the stairs and she's got these big dumb heels on <laughs> so it's like every step is very very gingerly and uh yeah she's even like holding a rope at some point for st- for stabilization but um after the castle though uh, they they have a intimate moment or they're yeah. hanging out, I think, on the couch together, and then they move to the bedroom. But it—it's interesting how things start because she just kind of like turns her head towards him and shuts her eyes and kind of puts mm-hmm. her points her chin at him.
1: <laughs> um, the other thing that I don't think she feels anything because there's a moment. It's it takes a few minutes where she's staring at herself uh, naked in the mirror, and she's kind of just looking at the different angles. Like, and I paid attention to like, is she gonna? So I'm, like, I'm not trying to be crude or anything. I'm like. Is she going to touch her nipples? Like, is she going to be, like, aware that there's a sensation there or something? Mm, but mm, she mm. never does. Um, she's no. just looking, like, she's just looking at her figure on its own, which leads us into the next scene, yes.
0: <laughs> yeah, um, that was an interesting scene because it's lit by, a like, a space heater. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, it, he he, very gentlemanly, he puts her he puts a room together for her and just says, Goodnight. good night oh, yeah. <laughs> and just leaves her to her own devices. I'll wait. But we also get a moment between them where he's like cleaning dishes and he puts on music and uh, she starts to like tap her fingers to the beat because mm-hmm. it could be interpreted as either her actually keying in on the rhythm or just mirroring his foot. I think that, it was the latter.
1: It's the latter because she's not even on beat. I, I paid attention yeah. to that because she's off tempo when she's tapping.
0: <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, they uh, they eventually do hop into bed, and it's interesting because like her her facial expressions seem like she's pleased with how things are progressing. Mm-hmm. Um, and he like starts to take off her clothes and whatnot, and uh, he does get on top of her. Um, but just as soon as they're naked below the waist, uh, she. Hops out of bed. <laughs> she springs up.
1: Well, he's having but trouble.
0: <laughs> I think he was having trouble. Um, I, I think he was having trouble, and also there was a. I, I'm not sure if it was a confused edit here, but um, as soon as she goes native, the motorcycle men, there are more than one mm-hmm. of them now. There's three of them, as far as I know. Uh, they're. Again, they have no dialogue, but just based on the urgency of their movements and the fact that they're, we keep cutting back to them almost incessantly, like them just zipping along highways. Um, it's inferred from the edits that they're coming for her mm-hmm. because they lost track of her and she failed to, you know, get the one guy uh, for them. Uh, so they had to clean up her mess and whatnot. Um, I, again, I'm not sure if it's a confused edit or if it's just me uh, confusing myself, but uh, there's. A sound. I couldn't tell if it was a score, if it was just ambient noise that sounds like a motorcycle whirring, um, and that's when her eyes go wide. When when the man's on top of her and she springs out of bed. So at that moment, I was expecting motorcycle man to show up, hmm. um, which would happen in a traditional narrative. Like that's that's the end of every uh, hidden assassin action movie, or like like uh think like uh, was it a uh, long kiss, good night, or something? Where it's like. <gasps> Gina Davis was a secret assassin the whole time <laughs> and her past is coming back to bite her in the ass <laughs> or like a history of violence or something. But this is not that kind of movie. But yeah, there's a, a strange noise uh, that happens that, that I thought was the whirring of a motorcycle. Um, and yeah, she springs out of bed. She kicks him off her and uh, she puts a lamp up to her, uh, her genitals her that hoo-ha. we yeah. don't even know if they're there to be honest. Um, yeah, we, there, there is a frame of something going on down there, but I did not pause it to check because I'm not that kind of guy. Why, we he,
1: uh, she goes full frontal in the movie, and I think we do. We get a very like brief shot of the uh, the hoo ha at one point, but it's like it's just a glimpse. And I noticed that the lighting, in particular, when she's like kind of checking herself out uh, next to the space heater, um, the shadow maintains over that area. So we're never really. For sure what's happening. It maybe aesthetically it's there. Like it just the like terminator, like it's just there. But like I my theory is that there's an opening, but it's a kind doll. Like it just there's nothing for it to go into. It's just there's a there's an opening there. And I think that's why he was like, uh he gives her like a look like, um something's not right here.
0: Well, that could also be part of where the trouble's coming from. It's <laughs> yeah. like, you gotta help me out here. <laughs> but, uh, Oh, so oh trying to nothing. fuck up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, uh, either way, um, it's an awkward moment. Um, but yeah, uh, it's my suspicion that, yeah, even if she has the equipment, it probably doesn't, it probably doesn't work the way you would expect it to. Her
1: reaction is kind of funny too. It's funny. Some of the reactions in the movie are, uh, funny. She like, Shoots up, oh, by the way, my man has got his shirt on like he's fucking Steven Seagal. Uh,
0: just <laughs> leaving it on. He's he's the fat kid at the pool. Like, <laughs> <know>. <laughs> Yeah, it's a little awkward. He has his big plaid Huge shirt sweater, on. Yeah, like, <laughs> Huge <laughs> <it's> sweater, yeah. Huge sweater and nothing below the waist. It's like, hmm, that's Jeez, not a good dude. look for anyone. <laughs> no.
1: Um, at least wear a t-shirt or something. Uh, yeah, for real. <laughs> <laughs> but she gets up and she sits on the foot of the bed naked. and you, She's got the lamp and she's just like... <laughs> <laughs> looking
0: down yeah, she, it's, yeah of... it's shot from it's shot from his perspective so we see the back of her head like, <laughs> yeah like, like looking, looking like down. well <laughs> well
1: goddamn
0: <laughs> there isn't nothing there yeah um, i mean I, I don't know what it says about me as a person but i did have a couple of chuckles watching this this very heavy movie yeah um but you want to get to the closing act of the movie here, Kyle? Yeah, she
1: kind of just goes on the run. I think she takes one of his jackets, and um, this this final sequence is um, a little little strange. But um, the setting is really pretty. Like she is in like some thick forest, and uh, she it's like super windy. It feels like there's a storm about to come. Uh, you want to say something?
0: Yeah, one of the one of the most gorgeous shots in the movie is is like. It's the shoreline, but it's there's no beach. It's just like grassy marsh marsh area, mm-hmm. and like ten feet away from the grass is just like snowy hillside, and there there's like a a wisp of snowy air that gets blown up. It's like damn. Like in terms of location scouting, it's like good fucking job, man. Yeah.
1: Um, yeah. She just kind of makes her way into the forest. She she's just kind of running away, but not running away from anything. She's just kind of going, and uh, She ends up walking past this guy and this was the guy that we talked about earlier um, who's kind of like flipped the tables on her, we just realized, because she's been like a serial killer the whole time. And he seems friendly, but the questions he's asking, and ladies, if you haven't seen this movie and you watch it, if a guy starts asking you these questions, run. Run for your life. Because he's asking her all the serial killer questions. Uh, Are you alone? Have you ever been here before? Is there anybody meeting you? Are you meeting anybody else? And uh, she checks no to all those. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah not only that the 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 rhythm the pace of his speech is very hurried and it's uh it's almost like key for sutherland in dark city where it's like he's like getting ahead of himself because he's too excited about what he's asking it's like dude i need you to calm down and step oh, off <laughs> yeah um but yeah she uh finds uh she finds like a shelter up in the mountains and uh, I think he points out that it's like Mm -hmm. there's like 2,000 acres of woods up here so it's easy to get lost but uh, she goes into the shelter and it's it's entirely empty and she she does this weird move where she she sits on like this raised platform in the back and it's it's very much like watching a child almost where she she sits down and at first I was interpreting it as her like see I was really fixated on the motorcycle men at this point as being like something it was going to be a real fragment. something yeah yeah, something it was going to play into the story at some point it never does um but uh i was interpreting her body language as being like she was afraid to put her back to the door or something like she wanted to see the entryway Mm -hmm. Um, so she sits on this and she she faces the the entryway and she like slides herself on her butt like she keeps like pushing backwards like she doesn't like scoot she just like uses her palms to like slide her butt across the floor like a dog almost yeah. and she like backs into the corner and she curls up like in the fetal position and for the first time it looks like she's legitimately trying to rest um and I think she actually does nod off um, which is significant because I think it's literally the only time that happens in the whole movie and uh then she wakes up and that creepy dude from the woods is right on right up in her business mm-hmm. and uh what's interesting here is that uh she takes off into the woods and uh she like tries to hide but she like panics and keeps running and eventually she comes to a vehicle that oh just so happens to be his vehicle yeah um and he he catches up to her and uh yeah he attempts to rape her um but the, her her music uh the music that plays whenever she's you know preying on men uh, plays over this sequence and it's a uh, it's almost like this this is like a, a poor alien woman kind of being subjected to like the many different angles of interactions that you can have with the opposite sex yeah um, like every extreme of it and this is you know the ugliest one uh that happens in the closing of the film basically uh but yeah it's pretty grisly um but it it takes a weird turn, um it, as every other scene in this movie seems to.
1: It takes a weird turn. Uh did you notice that she starts honking the horn in the car? And I, I thought it was strange that she started doing that. Uh first I think she thought about maybe driving the car, but then she doesn't have the keys, and then she just starts honking the horn like that's gonna do something. It was I don't know, it was just very strange.
0: Well, everything about her actions in this in this section of the film is very strange. Like 2000 acres of woods you can't hide from the guy mm-hmm. like it's like you could you could just stayed put and you probably never would have found you
1: well she she gets like it, at one point in traffic like she's not paying attention and there's horns honking behind her and she kind of comes to and then she starts you know she starts driving so maybe she thought that that was going to alert somebody like even though there's nobody around i'm not sure but yeah well,
0: it needs to be said this is the first and only time in the movie where she is a hundred percent distressed like you it's not open to interpretation like everything about her performance communicates to us the viewer that yes she is afraid she's Mm -hmm. she's in danger whereas you know some of the other weird situations she was in previously even in like the club and stuff like like you said like her face doesn't really say much you you can tell by the fact that she's like hurrying that maybe she's uncomfortable but this is first time she's like tearing up and like like panting and and sounds distressed um, yeah, so this guy tries
1: to do the business, and he starts ripping her clothes off. And this is really uncon- Like his, like his demeanor while he's doing this is just very, uh, it's very. It's, gross.
0: It mirrors it mirrors that of hers in the beginning of the film. It does, yeah. He's he's he, it, it very. It works, like I said, from a structural standpoint, it works very well because he's, he's not really overly concerned about anything. He's just kind of treating her like a piece like of meat, a yeah. bag of flesh, yeah. And uh, he he stops and kind of like backs up,
1: and we're, we're like, oh, he probably figured out that her, <laughs> that there's something wrong with her, but her her like he looks at his fingers like like something had rubbed off or something, and he backs up, and it appears as though her flesh, like her skin suit, is actually starting to deteriorate, and uh, this is it, It's weird. It's kind of hard to make sense of like what. How would you describe it? Like is it a suit that's deteriorating over the flesh or is it just the, the outside of the, the skin is coming off the outside of the suit? Does that make any sense? Mm.
0: So, it is it's like a skin suit kind of uh, akin to the the man we saw in the, the vat of liquid mm-hmm. where it's it's, you know, in her case it's like skin tight. It's it's her personhood. Like it it's her covering. Um, it, it appears to be inorganic. Um, because there is that moment where she she peels it off on her own because he he tore holes in like her flank like on the backside mm-hmm. um, and it reveals like just like a featureless like inky black just skin of yeah. some sort um, and there's a part where she she takes she removes it on her own because it has multiple tears in it and sh- you know the charades up um, and she actually cups her her own face scarlett mm-hmm. johansson's face in her hands and it it, it continues to move so i want to say it's like a, a cybernetic or just something it's not 100 percent organic like mm-hmm. it, i want to say it's artificial in some capacity because it continues to function even though it's been removed from her um, even the eyeballs are are in the thing so it's definitely a covering of some sort maybe it's like the independence day aliens where they have the 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 big exosuit thing, but then the the little thing that comes out of the face the mm-hmm. dar, dar, dar. <laughs> it, there's like an actual little like alien gray in there, um so yeah, I think it's like some sort of uh, device that they put on like a artificial covering
1: yeah, and she just it is just kind of sitting here, staring at its face, and it like it's a very like very, very skinny all black uh some kind of humanoid it it definitely looks like a human just like a like a almost like a ghost like just a, an all black like uh, almost like they've it they like it had been burnt like a body had been burnt
0: well i mean you mentioned uh, signs it it almost has that kind of feel to it mm-hmm. except those were like brown and had i think they had like um uh bird legs uh, mm-hmm. but they're obviously her structure is humanoid in nature but yeah pretty thin uh, gray has has an interesting like almost like rocky texture to it mm-hmm. doesn't it doesn't look rough but it has like it's it has some sort of little bumps on texture, it texture like, yeah Mine yeah texture has um, texture and uh, curiously enough uh despite having very few facial features um the the lines of the face um this uh this alien's got good bone structure because mm-hmm. it retains scarlett johansson's uh, basic silhouette of her face so yeah. it's, it's like it's like even without any details like that alien's fucking hot <laughs> like, the, the alien- like it doesn't have a mouth motherfucker <laughs>
1: it, it appears to be very sad um i yes. guess that's what what's happening here and it's just kind of i guess having a moment like maybe it was enjoying like it was enjoying the idea of being human but it just wasn't able to assimilate and knows that it it's not going to be able to stay here kind
0: of thing well yet yet another theme that i don't know what it interprets out to like i don't actually know what significance it holds but reflections reflections are a a key like visual motif in the film Mm -hmm. where the the floor um of the the black room uh is reflective um she's fixated on herself in the mirror multiple times in the film and her her last act as a living being as far as we know is her looking at herself yeah you know, looking at her skin that she just shed so um i don't know maybe that's like a cardinal sin of being one of these alien things it's like you're not supposed to get you're not supposed to feel yourself too much <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's, it's about it's about Capitalism.
1: Um, the
0: <laughs> <laughs> Everything comes back to this.
1: <laughs> it's all capitalism, dude. Uh, the um, So the, the, that piece of shit goes back to his truck, and he comes back, and he just starts dumping gasoline on um, on it. And it, it takes off running, but he manages to set it on fire before he gets away. And you get a shot of the, of the thing just running out of the woods. It, uh, this kind of like it could have been a stuntman or CGI, either way. It was uh, a stuntman. It was a it stuntman? Was a stuntman. Okay. Oh yeah. <laughs> it looked pretty good, um, but yeah, he just kind of starts running away, burning, and then falls down and just basically is dead. And uh,
0: yeah, it uh, somebody got a uh, full body burn on their uh, on their resume for that. So mm-hmm. good on them. Um, that's always cool. But the, you know, the coolest the coolest burnings I've seen in movies are uh, the ones where they use the gel. Mm. Um, I, the the one that comes to mind is uh, Watchmen, which I don't think you've seen. No, I haven't Eric. seen that one well there's a scene in a prison riot that's it's, it's blinker you'll miss it but there's a, a shirtless dude running around the prison on fire and it's like damn that's savage like it's like he's not wearing a, a flame retardant suit he's not wearing you know like a, a kevin bacon and hollow man like rubber mask on his head he's he is just bare chested running down the hall on fire easy but he has a gel on him that puts a a few seconds of barrier between your flesh and the flames mm. that's fucking awesome okay but um yeah uh, i couldn't help but chuckle to myself after the movie ended um because i i was reminded of uh, freddie versus jason where there's uh, there's a scene <laughs> where uh, there's a fat guy in the cornfields it's like this Everclear is kicking, kicking my, my ass, ass. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> <laughs> and there's the scene where jason comes up to him and in like without skipping a beat he throws the everclear on jason and then we don't get to see where it appears from but he just has a tiki torch in his mm-hmm. hand in the next shot and That's he shows it into a, but teleporting tiki torch it just appears in his hands but yeah this uh this guy this horrible rapist character apparently his he decided i don't know what that is but it's got to burn yeah <laughs> um so he came back right quick and set it on fire um all the while um while she's been in the woods we've been cutting we've been cutting away frequently to the mo- motorcycle men um and i think the last time we see them is like right around the time she gets burned and it's just him the motorcycle man the the most prominent of them standing on like a snowy cliffside, and he just kind of dips his head a little bit and looks confused for a second and that's Ooh. the last you see him so it's like wow for all for all that menace that you guys exuded and like all that speed you demonstrated on the roads you guys sure are incompetent yeah right (laughs) it's for real you had you had one job you fucked it up um
1: i Um, love the closing shot of the film uh is like a good i think it's like a good 30 seconds of just the camera looking straight up at the sky and the big, fluffy snowflakes are falling. And if while you're watching it, it's, uh, I don't know, I had, like a, I had like a moment with it, and I could almost feel the, the snowflakes. I've, you've done that before where you've just looked up and tried to catch snowflakes, and it falls on your face. And I had like phantom feelings of the snow hitting my face. I don't know, I really zoned out on it for a minute. It was kind of nice. I really liked the closing shot of it.
0: Well, I think that was intentional, because like you said, they, uh, they let it linger for quite a while um and again the sound design of the film is stunning because uh, once she's on fire and she collapses uh the crackling sound of the flames burning in in you know the cold quiet woods because there's really no sounds other than just you know maybe tree branches cracking every once in a while or something or like fatty like ch- chubby snow hitting <laughs> hitting the ground uh, other than that it's just the crackling of this fire um, it's amplified, in such a way that it's like, it's this quiet, like, melancholy moment. But when you really think about it, it's like, no, it's not quiet. It's actually very loud. Um, you can hear, you can hear this poor soul burning, um, as we just look up into this beautiful snowy sky. Um, and then yeah, uh, credits just slam onto the screen and it tells you Jonathan Glazer made this film. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he made only two other movies, so I'm sure he's got more work ahead of him.
1: Yeah. So what do you think after talking about it?
0: I I think it's a very rich film. Um, I feel like talking about it is probably more pleasurable than watching it, to be mm-hmm. honest. Because um, in the moment, like you said, it it does have a, it is a little repetitive. Um, it does lull a little bit towards the middle. It's not that it's it's not that it's not enjoyable to watch. It's just. Um, I have the kind of mind that I'm I'm always asking questions and I'm always trying to string things together so I'm just like collecting themes and motifs and possible outcomes for the story the whole time I'm watching it as opposed to just watching it Mm -hmm. it's very hard for me to do that and I feel like maybe for me specifically I got in my own way Um, but obviously the conversation we just had was was a fun one and, Mm -hmm. and we got a lot out of the experience so I'm glad I watched it Uh, I don't know that I would recommend it to people unless I told them what it what it was Um, because I don't think that would be fair
1: (laughs) there's you have to kind of know who you're recommending this to like I'm not going to recommend this to my dad my dad probably wouldn't enjoy watching this but I have somebody in mind that I'm like you might actually you might enjoy this there's something there for you to to see and you have to you have to like viewing movies like that like you kind of have to like as you're going along like what's happening exactly and it's not like a mystery where you're like oh it could be this it could be that it could be this movies like this where you're just like what exactly is he trying to get at here? What's the point of this? So I think that makes it kind of fun. I, I wanted you to see it because the, um, the visual storytelling of it, It like I said, there's very little dialogue. And even when there is, it's hard to tell exactly what half of the people are saying <laughs> in those moments.
0: <laughs> um, yeah, I watched it with the English subtitles on. Um, that's the thing that I do with most movies. It's not just because it takes place in Scotland, but um, it, I'm not going to lie, it came in handy <laughs> for sure.
1: And I definitely found certain sequences of the film unsettling, and I think it was very—it's a very unique film experience from um, from from my experience at least. Uh, it just kind of stands out, and I, there's no other real time that I could, you know, have you try to watch this, and I'm like, this seems like a good time, just a little unconventional.
0: Yeah, I mean, I would hesitate to call it a proper horror film, mm. but uh, I mean, that's that's part of the benefit of of having me uh, to do a podcast with Kyle is that you can make me watch literally anything and i will um i i don't have an me to straight up say fuck that <laughs> so, so yeah this this was this was an interesting one um like like you had said not one that i would readily recommend to folks but a very rich experience mm-hmm. um I, I think if you pay attention if you give it if you give it its due you definitely walk away with something even if you don't quite know what you got yeah um, so i'm glad i watched it yeah Legend. And actually, I'd be curious to see uh, what this what this fellow Jonathan Glazer gets up to in the future because his output, like I said, he only has three movies and a bunch of advertisements. One of which I have seen. Um, uh, he did a. Uh, I, I had to look into his filmography, but he did a uh, Sony commercial um, mm. from one of their TV lines. That's pretty cool. <laughs> he uh, he knows how to handle a production.
1: I think he directed maybe a Radiohead music video, uh, maybe a couple of them. If he did there, if he did the music video for there, there, whoever did that is a fucking genius because that is one of the best music videos I've ever seen. Um, so he
0: did Street Spirit f- uh, for Radiohead. Um, he's worked with Karma. Uh, he also did Karma Police. Mm. Um, he's worked with Massive Attack on a couple of theirs. Um, <laughs> J- Jamiroquai. Um, holy shit! Virtual Insanity. Is oh, he that- did. He did, did virtual.
1: One? That's the one. That's the. That's the, Is, that's that's, the sliding room. That's video? That's the
0: sliding room video. Yeah. That's the oh one. shit! Yeah, that's impressive. Oh, I know that one. Oh, I watched oh, yeah. the fuck out of that one. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, I. I mean, I was. I was around for that shit. Okay. Well, <laughs> it's like, have I'm you, glad we got to that at the very end of this discussion. <laughs> have you seen Have you seen
1: the music video for "There, There" by Radiohead? I have not. Ooh, I'm gonna send that to you. That's a that is a fun time. Uh, I think you'll really enjoy that. But yeah, so that uh, that that's under the skin, 2013, 2014. However you want to look at it, <laughs> IMDb says both. It was released in 2014.
0: Yeah. So this was the first chapter of uh, Kyle's Killer October, um, second annual Kyle's Killer October, as mm-hmm. far as I know. Um, and sometime this month we'll also be having our 100th episode. Yeah. So, uh, that'll be interesting, but yeah uh, if you want to check out some of our other works our other podcasts um, you can find all that on our website at uh, catchinguponcinema.com. up uh, we also have a couple of social media accounts at at twitter at catching cinema as well as on the instagram at catching up on cinema so uh, feel free to hit us up at either of those accounts if uh, you have any suggestions for future episodes and whatnot um, but that being said uh, thank you so much for listening and we will catch you next time Yep. Yep.